0: It's time, it's time,
1: time, time to get in the zone, time to get in the zone with the 49ers web zone.
0: This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to Odyssey's 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast. I am Brian Rennick. I am joined by the inimitable Al Sacco, our buddy Zane Nakvi, on assignment, not here today. Uh, so it's just Al and I, but uh, Al, we're here. We want to take a look at some of the uh, the big news coming out of Santa Clara. Uh, the big news really today, the 49ers have found the replacement for D'Amico Ryans. And then we're going to touch a little bit on some free agency and things like that. But um, first first thought, Steve Wilkes, uh, former Arizona Cardinals head coach, former Panthers interim head coach, uh, hired today by the 49ers to take over as defensive coordinator uh, with D'Amico Ryan's moving on to Houston uh, to be their head coach. Uh, what are your initial thoughts uh, on the hire of Steve Wilkes?
0: I mean, I liked it. You're talking about a guy with head coach experience, you're talking about a guy who's who's well respected in the NFL, a player's coach, and is gonna come in and still, you know, the emphasis is gonna be on on the D line and coverage, and it's it's gonna be the same thing that Kyle Shanahan wanted, right? They're gonna stay consistent. I'm looking at Wilkes and you know, I'm trying to go to school on him a little bit because I didn't know a ton about him. You know, he's been around the NFL, so I know. And we were talking about this off the air. His background's a little interesting in the sense that he hasn't called plays a lot, right? When you when you look yeah. at where he is, so he, he was a DBs coach with the Bears 2006-2008. Uh, DBs coach with the Chargers 2009-2011. through 2011. Then he was in Carolina for a while. He was just a DBs coach in 2012-2014. And then the DBs coach and assistant head coach in 2015 and 2016 and his first year, Brian is really a coordinator was in 2017 with that Carolina team. And that was his, his best year as a coordinator as well. So that Carolina team, that was pretty good defensively. So um, they were 11th in the league in points allowed seventh in yards that year. They had 50 sacks, which was third best. Mario Addison and Julius Peppers each had 11. Luke keekley was in a first team all pro that year. They had Thomas Davis. They, they had a good, really good um defense that year. And then that kind of got him into where I guess it, it did catapult him into his head coaching job with the Cardinals. yeah, he was one and done the defense that year. and look, Cardinals didn't have a ton of talent, but twenty sixth in points, twenty in yards. And then in two thousand and nineteen, he's the defensive coordinator for Cleveland. 20th in points,
1: 22nd in yards in 2020. Freddie Kitchens, by the way, that was that was Freddie Kitchens' year. It was a Freddie
0: Kitchens season, wasn't? Yeah. What there's yeah. A bit, there's a I forgot about Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in 2020, I guess he was he didn't coach. It doesn't look like that. Yeah, he took a year off. A year off, and then 2021, he's with Missouri as a defensive yep. coordinator, and then he goes to yep. Carolina as the DC again this year. Matt Rule loses his job, and he comes in and he does a, a, a great job as the head coach. Gets them to six and six. Or he was. They were six and six under him. And look, they had some fluky things happen. DJ Moore taking his helmet off and getting the penalty. They could have been seven and five. They could have won the division. He did a really nice job. And to me, that speaks to his leadership and how the players respond to him. And I know um, I saw Brian Burns had some nice things to say about him. I think I think it's a really good hire. I think he's an experienced guy, and he's somebody that I think will be around for a few years for the defense.
1: Yeah, I, I I was gonna say uh, he actually wasn't hired in Carolina to be the DC. He wasn't the DC this year. Um, he was. Oh, I was the, wrong on that. Really? Yeah. No he he was hired as passing game coordinator. Phil Snow was the defensive coordinator. Oh. He's the guy that he's the guy that Matt Rule brought in for the whole time. He got fired along with Rule, um, and then Wilkes took over as assistant head coach, but was never the the defensive play caller. He elevated another the guy that and it was their run game coordinator right where you know they specialize on on both sides of the ball now right the 49ers you know we famously Mike McDaniel was was in charge of the run game Mike LaFleur was in charge of the passing game and then you know it switched this year Bobby Slowick was the passing game coordinator but sometimes you get that on the defensive side as well uh in, including Joe Woods right when Joe Woods came in with with uh Sala that was his role he was secondary and uh, passing game coordinator. So that's what Wilkes came in. Wilkes essentially came back to Carolina and, and went back to the role that, that he had for the majority, like the longest stint in his career was that stint in Carolina with, um, uh, Ron Rivera, where again, mm-hmm. he was the defensive backs coach for, it looks like five or yeah, five seasons and then yep. that defensive coordinator and then got elevated. So, yeah, as a play caller, as a defensive play caller, uh it's really just those two th- those two years outside of the, his experience in the college ranks at Missouri. And that's where it, that's where to me, um somebody, I think it was uh Levin Black who hosts a show with with stats Rob Guerrero, uh formerly of uh Niners Nation and uh basically he kind of he 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 kind of laid out Robert Sala, right, when he came on, his his biggest strong suit was as a leader of men, and as a play caller, he grew into that role because he'd never done it before. Uh, with D'Amico Ryans, it feels like they just kind of lucked out where they had both a leader of men and an, a tremendous play caller, mm-hmm. and now they're coming back a little bit to that Robert Sala mole, and you said it earlier. As a leader of men, feels like Steve Wilkes. there's not many guys that, that are out there that, that I think you could say that about in terms of who was available in, in this, in this cycle. Right. Mm-hmm. But when he was a play caller, and I guess you could, you could really say that he was probably the defensive play caller uh, in Arizona. I don't know what that situation was as a defensive no head coach, um, but uh, what he does or what he, as a play caller, he, he, he specializes in a four, three base, right. A four, three front, which fits the the 49ers personnel. But the one thing that he has that I think is, is now an upgrade over Sala and and Ryan's, right? Sala and Ryan's were both linebackers coaches, both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that was Sala's bread and butter. That's what he did in Seattle. That's what he was doing in Jacksonville when when Shanahan hired him. And then D'Amico Ryan's obviously the only coaching experience he, ha- he has with the 49ers. Started as quality control and then moved up from there, which... I was listening to uh, the athletic football show with Nate Tice and and Robert Mays, and they were talking about D'Amico Ryans and, and Nate Tice specifically, obviously Nate Tice, his, his dad is um, I do this every time. Uh, I had a cousin who had a friend named Rob Tice and I want to call Mike Tice, Rob Tice every time. So Mike Tice, so Nate Tice is Mike Tice's son. Uh, Mike Tice, longtime offensive uh, lines coach, line coach, uh, Vikings head coach, whatever. He was talking about how the the quality control, you always hear that that term in terms of the coaching staff and think it's just like a, a real lowly role. When in reality it's a role that that a lot of ex-players don't get because it's very detail oriented. Um it's very, it's very important role. And so the fact that Damico Ryan's his first job was quality control really spoke to just his, his uh, work ethic, his, his outlook, his smarts, all of that. And so, you know, D'Amico Ryan's elite play caller and motor, you know, and leader of men. And now we're back to Steve Wilkes, but what Steve Wilkes has is a lot of experience in the secondary, a lot of experience as a DB coach, which has often been kind of the, the, the weak point of this 49ers defense. So it will be interesting to see, You know, now you have a play caller with with experience in in terms of of being a passing game coordinator, um, being, you know, a secondary coach. And so uh, I'm excited to see kind of what how that transforms that side, because you got the D line with Chris Kosurik. He's not going anywhere. Uh, That's been reported. I imagine he's probably getting a pay bump um and so you know really it's that linebacker's core right where where the hole might be but that's already you know that is already you've got an all pro there you've got an all pro in fred warner and and you've got a, a great player in dre greenland so hopefully they'll they'll find somebody you know to to fill that to fill that spot but um, now you've got a guy who who has a lot of experience in the secondary and so I think that's definitely a an upgrade if you will for this defense will this defense be as good well, there's a lot of factors that are going to go into that and, and yeah. we'll get into them later because a lot of the a lot of the free agents that the 49ers have are on that defensive side of the ball uh, so there's definitely going to be some departures which may change things but you know I, I definitely think that you know, bringing bringing Wilkes in will at least still give them what I am. I would imagine will probably be a top ten defense just based on talent alone.
0: Yeah, and it struck me as a win now move because Sala was a first time defensive coordinator, Ryan's was the first time defensive coordinator, and Shanahan does yeah. like well, to with, promote from within. And I thought there were some possibilities there. But you bring in Wilkes, the Niners are ready to win now. The window is open now. I totally get it. And I, I, I do think it's, it's, it's a very good hire for them. And you mentioned Chris Kosarek. That's, that's a huge person to retain. I remember, you know, Jim, Tom, Jim Tomsula takes a lot of heat now because of his head coaching stint, yes. which was largely kind of a disaster, but he was a terrific D-line coach. And I remember yeah. always thinking going in that like, Hey, the D-line is going to be okay. Cause I know Tom Sula is going to coach him up. I feel the same way about Kosarek where mm-hmm. I, I, I know the D-line is going to at least be okay because you, you have that guy there. So I thought that was huge to retain him. You know, there were some whispers he might have got a defensive coordinator spot somewhere else or something like that. But I, I thought it was huge to do that. So it's a good move, Brian. I mean, you got to be happy yeah. with it. And I think a lot of people, Brian, are worried that is Wilkes going to be a head coach in a couple of years. Well, what if that happens? Great, because that means the defense was great for two years. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. He's had a couple shots. Maybe if the defense is good, he will get more shots. You would think that tends to happen. But I feel like he's going to be there for a few years. And, and I assume Kyle's going to be there for, for a few years. So there should be some continuity for at least the next. Three ish seasons, I would I would
1: hope. Yeah, you know, obviously Wilkes still wants to be a head coach in this league, and that makes sense. You know, that's that's probably the goal of, of most coaches in this league. Not all, but most. Um, but he's also 53 years old. And you know, he did he had the player support in Carolina and, and he really did a great job. I mean he, he did a better this season than than Matt Rule did, and it, it seems like Carolina didn't even really give give him an opportunity. I know that he, he, uh, he interviewed, but it, it never seemed like he was in the running. And so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that was, you know, I said it on, on our, on our last show. One of the reasons why I liked the idea of a Vic Fangio was because I don't think that he's going to get another head coaching position just based on his age and, and the way that mm-hmm. it went in Denver. And so, you know, I don't want to every two years have to figure out, all right, who's the next defensive coordinator. And, you know, the and and we said it on the last show as well. Kyle Shanahan deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to coaching hires. He has really knocked it out of the park with yep. every hire that he's that he's made. And so in that regard, you know, just on its face, I have to go, well this is probably going to be a good hire because that's what Kyle Shanahan does. He hires good people. Um and and I think that this is uh it's just like I said, it is interesting that again he doesn't have uh, at least the resume that some of the other um, Canada did mainly Vic Fangio, um, but you know, uh, Robert Sala didn't have any play calling experience, neither Miko Ryan's and yeah. we know how that turned out. So, you know, I think, I think this team, uh, has a commitment to, uh, stocking the defensive side with, with as much talent as possible. And they've proven that they can do that. And so I think as long as that, that talent continues to be on that side of the ball, I think whoever is the defensive play caller will be just fine.
0: Wanted to talk about briefly, I guess this is kind of gossipy stuff, but it's the off season. What, what else are we going to do? <laughs> um, yeah. But you said, you said, uh, you said Tim Kawakami kind of blocked, blocked, you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he blocked Tim, him. Tim blocked me on Twitter. Yeah. What'd you do, man? What'd you, what'd you say to him? Um, I, I, I dared to question a take that he had. That was like really? legitimately, oh, that was okay. legitimately it. I, I pushed back on a take that he had and he immediately blocked me. So. That's interesting. Hey. I don't really interact
0: with him. He's never been on the show or anything. I I don't, yeah. I don't know him at all. But I've heard I've heard he's a little prickly. With uh, <laughs> he's pretty pretty quick to block. From, but I block a lot of people though too. So I probably shouldn't talk. But I only block people yeah. if you're like disrespectful. If you're like disrespectful. If you're a dick. Like I saw yeah. there was somebody who responded to something. Again, you know, I always talk about I don't like Twitter, and I'm talking about Twitter. But like, who said something not I don't know about the show? Like we looked like we were in our basement. So we have hats on. Yeah, block. You're he gonna he be negative. To sh-
1: yeah. He shit on us for wearing hats. I was like, I don't, I like legitimately don't understand.
0: We are bald. Are Brian and I from? are bald yeah. men. Damn it.
1: Yeah. It's a
0: hate crime for it bald people. Hate,
1: that, exactly. <laughs> I should have reported it. I should have reported it to Twitter. I actually <laughs> yeah. got that guy to block me. So that was oh, a win. Great. That was a that's win awesome. for me.
0: <laughs> it's really, I had, I had one person tell me one time how much he hated me and I was like, why Why would you follow me if you hate me so much? He's right. like, I just want to see like, the stupid shit you'll say next. Time, I'm like, so you hate follow me? I'm like, I think that's right. awesome. It,
1: and that's 100% what it is. It's a hate it's follow. It's great. Yeah.
0: So I'm sure some like, people do hate follow me. Who
1: yeah, knows? Yeah. Anyway. That's a lot of, lot of mental energy, but hey, you do you. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: All right, so kind of gossipy with this Jimmy Garoppolo stuff. Could he have played in, in the NFC Championship game? Could he not? Was there a rift with Kyle? Because Kyle was very short when they asked him if Jimmy was coming back. So what Calakami said, I believe he was on KMBR, uh, he said, well, I checked around the team and discovered, yes, the relationship between Garoppolo and Shanahan Lynch seems to have gone a bit south in the days or weeks leading up to the NFC Championship game loss in Philadelphia. I don't know if there was a specific blow-up or conversation that led to this, I don't know what the main issue was. And then he went on to say, they could have used the, the rad, that roster spot for somebody else, maybe defensive tackle Hassan Ridgeway, but Shanahan and Lynch saved it for Garoppolo, who tried and couldn't get healthy enough to be Purdy's backup in the conference title game, and then Purdy got hurt. Again, I don't know that any of this directly led to Shanahan's abrupt answer about Garoppolo. And before that, Garoppolo bypassing the media during locker room cleanout day of the last week, but I imagine this was part of the atmosphere around the two. Here's the initial thing that I think about this. I always thought that there was this like notion around grapple that was not based in reality whatsoever. And I've talked about it so much where you go back to 2000, was it 2021? Now I'm not it is anymore, but when they look to move on from him that whole off season, the whole off season they're trying to move on from Jimmy. And then they do draft Lance and, and Shanahan's on Sean McVay's podcast. Like, Oh, I really wanted Stafford. And I was so pissed when I didn't get him and your quarterbacks are sitting there and, um, they wanted Trey to play, and Trey gets hurt. He hurts his finger. He's not ready. They're kind of stuck with Jimmy. There's all that stuff at the end of the season with the surgery, and they try to trade him. And then they say, hey, just go over to this side of the field and leave us alone because we couldn't. And then, then, well, oh, okay, why don't you come back and be our backup, thinking they'll still maybe try to trade him, and then Lance gets hurt. It's like, hey, buddy, what's going on? You want to come? So the notion that Garoppolo has, like, all this love and, like, this, dollar, oh, I love this team, they probably couldn't wait to get the hell out of it. That's the first thing. Um, And the second thing, I'm sure Shanahan's sick of his shit. He's hurt all the time. So Kyle's out here trying to win a Super Bowl and this dude's been hurt, you know, every single season except 2019 pretty much at some point. But I don't think, I think if, Garoppolo, there's a part of me that thinks if he could have been out there, he would have. Because didn't he have like a bonus of like a million dollars or something if he played in the NFC Championship the Super Bowl? He had some kind of bonus tied
1: into that. I know that there were, yeah, bonus structures. I just don't know specifically. I don't know exactly
0: what it was. But the notion that there's not at least a little bit of tension there to me was always comical. Somebody tries to replace you. I don't think they treated Jimmy very well. But again, Kyle, as a coach, is sitting here saying, I've had all these seasons that have ended prematurely and we haven't been able to because he's been hurt. Um, And then the season. 2021 when he did play he was hurt at the end of the season and there was the drama with the surgery so I, if the two of them are sick of each other I think that's natural human nature whatever move on it is what it is it's quarterback anymore um I think anybody in that situation would be a little bit annoyed so I thought you know again it's something to talk about I thought it was a little bit you know when we read the book in 20 years maybe there'll be more information on it but um it's human nature man if both of them are a little sick of each other I would not be surprised
1: Well, and, and I thought, (laughs) I thought it was interesting, you know, and again, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the era we live in, right. It's gotta be the area of social media sports, right. The era of Twitter Um, there, there are just people who are desperate to, to feel like their favorite player is being persecuted or is being oppressed or whatever you want to call it. And so, you know, there were people who took Kyle Shanahan's comments uh, I think it was Matt Mayoko in the, in that, that post season, whatever you want to call it post-mortem, if you will, uh, where Kyle just looked haggard as hell and, and John Lynch <laughs> didn't look much better. Um, They asked him flat out, do you see a scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo would be a part of this team? And essentially Kyle Shanahan said, no, I don't see a scenario where he's going to be a part of the team. And, and there were people that took that clip and were like, I can't believe, how disrespectful Kyle was to Jimmy. And I was like, here's the question they asked him. Do you see a scenario where where Jimmy Garoppolo is a part of this team? And here's the background to that question. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a free agent. His contract is up after this season. Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy-ish, right? He's going to be healthy by the time free agency uh, rolls around. So he will be able to try out for teams. He will be able to throw for teams things that he was not able to do last season, Jimmy Garoppolo will have a market. I, I I, can guarantee that. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a market. And that market is likely going to land him a deal in the range of probably $15 to $20 million a season. The 49ers do not have the cap flexibility to add Jimmy Garoppolo at $15 to $20 million a season. They also have two young quarterbacks that they are excited about. And by they, I mean, they're excited about Brock Purdy and they tolerate Trey Lance. That's what it seems like at this point, right? But at the very least, they know we've got two young quarterbacks. Between the two of them, they're making $10.3 million next season. Why would we bring Jimmy Garoppolo back? I do not see a scenario where we're bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back to to compete with these two guys who we think are QB1 and QB2 in whatever order. That's to be determined. It it seems like it's predetermined that as long as Purdy is healthy, it's going to be Purdy and, and with Lance backing him up. But what I, I just it was so weird to me. Like, how how is that disrespectful? And the other thing that we've got to remember is that Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, they did this already last offseason. They gave each other their flowers. Jimmy Garoppolo gave flowers to the 49ers fans. And to reporters like he did it all already he said it's goodbye and then it just worked out that he came back but that always felt like a begrudging like i'm only doing this because i don't have anything else right so jimmy i don't i never felt like jimmy garoppolo was bought in for this season and if i'm jimmy garoppolo and i'm cleared to play but i'm not super comfortable And the reality is, is I could hurt myself again. And now I go into free agency hurt again. Like Mm. I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put my future on the line for a team that hasn't wanted me for three seasons. And I mean, yeah, I love my guys. I love George Kittle. I love, you know, the guys in this locker room, but again, they're not going to be my teammates after this season. Why am I going to jeopardize my future and my earning potential to play in this one game, right? And I could get in this game, but but regardless. So I think both of it is just like, it just all makes sense. Like, I don't think it's the sinister, like, you know, Kyle Shanahan hates Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo hates the 49ers. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe they hate each other. They did a great job of covering it up. and And to be perfectly honest, they probably should hate each other they each have their reason to hate the other one. So, it just is what it is, but it's not disrespectful, it's not anything, it's business. This is football. This is what happens. Mm-hmm. So, it is what it is. But it it did it it did I thought of this and I wanted to ask you this question because I don't know the answer. And and I don't and and obviously no one knows the answer. But it it, it certainly seems like Brock Purdy again No announcement has been made, but it certainly seems like they're operating as if he is going to get the repair and not Tommy John. And it seems like he is operating as well. So we're looking at that six month window. Right. Mm -hmm. But that six month window is a six month window for a return to action, not a six month window to return to throwing. right? Right. It's not like he has to wait six months and then he can start throwing. He has to wait three months and then he can start his throwing program after three months. And then by the time you ramp that up, then you get to that six month and you're ready to go. So, with that in mind, what do you think Trey Lance needs to do or what do they need to see from Trey Lance for him to even or or for I'll say for him to even think about getting that QB1 designation this offseason?
0: If Purdy's healthy, I I think Lance is considerably Behind the eight ball for QB one, I, I just, again, I think Purdy had proved things on the field that just are. are he's the QB one. I don't even think it's if this we're not if we're not talking about this injury. This isn't even a debate. Right. I, I really feel that way. So Lance has to go out there and he has to just show show a different. He needs to show that he's more comfortable within the offense, throwing the ball. Kyle has to show that he's he trusts him to throw the ball more because he clearly didn't. Right. He he ran a different, totally different offense. He was just running a lot. So I think that's it. I think he has to look comfortable in the pocket. I think he has to look comfortable throwing the ball and he has to look comfortable running the offense, which Purdy did. And I said, the offense has always looked clunky with Lance. So I I, I just think it's, it's going to be, I'm not saying he can't do it because Lance is incredibly talented and Lance just, it's not his fault. He just hasn't had the reps and he hasn't played in years. So I think it's going to be very difficult for him to do that. But as we've seen with the 49ers, it's rare that only one quarterback plays. So Lance is going to get a shot sure. at some point, I think. And, and he's just going to have to take advantage of that.
1: Yeah. The thing that I kept thinking about was this idea of Trey Lance being the guy all off season, right? All OTAs and into training camp. But by the time, if Purdy has his surgery soon, and I, I would assume he will, mm-hmm. he'll be ready by preseason. And to me, the only way that Lance can can win this job is to do so in game situations, and I don't yeah, know I that he's going to get that opportunity. You know what I mean? It's like our our the 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 big bugaboo for for Lance is lack of game reps, and what does he look like in the games? So I don't know if he's going to be able to show anything in OTAs or anything in camp for them to be like, oh, okay. Things are different. He things yeah. have clicked or whatever. And that's where I was like, I just it just feels like there isn't any opportunity for him to win QB1. And so it's almost just like to me, it's kind of Shaden Freud, right? It's like, we're we're gonna talk this big game, but in reality, he has no chance as long as Purdy can can recover from this elbow injury. And 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 there's the big unknown, right? Obviously it's a six-month time frame, but everybody is different every body is different and mm-hmm. perhaps he can't recover as quickly as as we anticipate but it just feels like you know for as much talk as you know Lance is going to have to win it in the off season it's like what can he do i don't think there's anything that he could do because it's not it's not the things in the off season that kept him from getting the job it it was right. or not kept him from getting the job but it's it, it will keep him from getting the job is his lack of game reps. And you've seen what Purdy can do in the games. And you have three games and a and and a drive of of Lance starting. And like you said, it's been clunky. And you know, if you look at just the games that he started and finished, he's one and two. If you look at the games that he started, they're two and two. And then you look at the games that Purdy started and finished, and they're eight and oh. Like it, right. it just like you said, he seems it it really does seem like he's behind the eight ball.
0: In the point scored thing, not not that I really wanted, wanted to totally get to a, 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 yeah. land, a land, everything right now, but you just look at the point scored. We talk about what with, with Brock, where they're just putting up 30, 35 a game. Yeah. With Lance, they scored. And again, he is super green. So not, mm-hmm. it's not his fault. You just Again, it's the proof. This is a ready-to-win-now team. So if you have one quarterback who's putting up 35 a game, and you have another in his starts, he's put up 10, 23. And then, granted, I, I know it was the monsoon game. In Chicago, I, I understand all that, but but the offense looked clunky overall in that game too, and they put up ten in that game. So yeah. that's not a lot of points. Not a lot of points compared to what Purdy did. So it is. I think you're right, Brian. I think until we can see him in a game situation, it's going to be tough. All right, real quick before we get into some of this uh, free agency stuff, I just saw two stats today. I just want to throw out there because I think it shows how good of a season George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk really had. So. 40, the Q 49ers QBs had a rating of 127.2 throwing to Kittle this year. That was the second highest rating Whoa. for any player with 40-plus targets. Only Jarek McKinnon was higher with 130.4. So that's a terrific season. Brandon um, yeah. Ayuk, we talk about that he if he got more chances, what he could do. He had the fourth highest rating when targeted by QB with for players with at least 100 targets. His rating was... When QBs had a rating of one fifteen point nine throwing to him, he had wow. one hundred and fifteen targets. The only players who were better were Stefan Diggs, one hundred and fifty four targets, one twenty point three; Jalen Waddle, one seventeen, and his the rating was one nineteen five; and Travis Kelsey, one hundred fifty two targets, and the rating was one seventeen two. That is some pretty damn good company to be in to be top four. Shows what a good year IUC had. Shows the arrows pointing up. Shows he's very important to the Niners moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's uh, and and uh, again, let's let's rumors on the timeline, whatever. Brandon Ayuk is going to be a forty nine er next season, and he'll probably be one the season after that, and then they will probably extend him. Brandon Ayuk isn't going anywhere. Not only that, but Brandon Ayuk was on uh, Brad Graham's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, Brad is the SF Niners, uh, and <clears throat> caused a bit of a stir in Philadelphia. Everybody in Philadelphia hates Brandon Ayuk because Ayuk said like basically. I, I mean their defense is good on paper but like we really felt confident that we could have beaten them if if our quarterback was was healthy so you know and then Eagles fans have taken that and been like he disrespected us whatever but he also said that he wanted to be a 49er for a long time so um and 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 that's the thing is you look at this offense right everyone is coming back except for we've got two free agents right Mike McGlinchey and, and Jake Brendel Everybody else is coming back. It's, Brunskill, it's really, Brunskill,
0: a free agent too. I know he didn't start. He uh,
1: Bruns- Brunskill is yeah, Brunskill is a free agent. Um, but I meant in in terms of starters, and I guess technically he was kind of like a a part time yeah. starter, <laughs> <part-time laughs> starter, if you yeah. will, with the with the rotation with him and Burford. But um, yeah, and and I just I just you look at what this offense did to end the season, and you think to yourself, there's no reason why that cannot continue moving forward as long again, as, as Lance or Purdy can operate it at the level that Purdy was operating at, at the end of the season. So uh I'm not surprised to hear those numbers. It, it's, it's surprising in, in how high they were in terms of, of QB rating. Um But I mean, you, you watched, you watched that season unfold and you're like, man, those two guys are probably the most important players in this, in this offense outside of Christian McCaffrey. So Uh, awesome season from Ayuk. awesome season from Kittle would love to see it kind of go back to back right because Kittle I mean as long as Kittle stays healthy and that's been the biggest issue but there really haven't been seasons that he's stacked on top of each other right in terms of like incredible performance he's always been good he's always been solid he's always been incredible in the run game but his production in the passing game you know kind of ebbs and flows so I would love to see it flow <laughs> uh, yeah. two seasons in a row if you will that would be that would be fantastic and i think Ayuk is just only getting better and that's that's the other thing that you know he's an ascending talent which is what you love to see especially since he's still on his rookie deal
0: and i think what people don't understand about Ayuk when they talk about the contract there's people on the team now who there's outs and things coming coming up with contracts some people have outs that they mm-hmm. can get out of. i don't even know that george kittle is going to be here in two years Right, you know he's getting old. I love him. Right. I hope he retires a niner, but he's getting older. They may have to restructure something. You you never know. You never know mm-hmm. with big salaries mm-hmm. like that. Players who are approaching thirty. So yeah. who who knows? Who know? maybe Eric Armstead isn't there in two years? The, the, I think they'll find one because I think Ayuk is going to be to the point where they can't let him go, and they may have to make some yeah. tough choices. But but yeah, I would be surprised if if he goes elsewhere. But
1: yeah. so here's the thing. You know, the Forty uh as they stand right now, going into um you know going into 2023 um in terms of cap room they have effective cap room of uh shade under i believe it is uh about 16 million dollars right now which isn't a lot and they've got a ton of free agents that uh that are that are about to walk um some of them obviously will be retained um you know in terms of um Free agents, they've got one, two, three, four um, four restricted rights free agents, right? Which is essentially they're not actually free agents, right? And those yeah. are Demetrius Flanagan Foles, Kevin Givens, Colton McKivitz, and then Juwan Jennings. And then the rest are, are unrestricted uh, excuse me, unrestricted free agents. Um and, and there's some big names on here, right? And mm-hmm. if we go if we go just uh you know just by uh their twenty twenty two salary, right, which is how it's listed on spot uh, Jimmy Ward, 31 and a half, going to be a free agent. Jimmy Garoppolo, Sansom Ebukam, Emmanuel Mosley, Mike McGlinchey, Aziz Alshair, Robbie Gold, Daniel Brunskill, Hassan Ridgeway, Kerry Hyder, Tyler Croft, Maurice Hurst, Tayshon Gibson, Josh Johnson, Jordan Willis, Tabor Pepper, Ross Dwelly, Jake Brendel, Jason Verrett, and then you know, you've know you got those uh, restricted rights for agents, and then Tarverius Moore and Charles Amenehu there's a lot of starters in there and a lot Mm -hmm. of, a lot of names on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Right. In terms of starters, I'm looking at Ward Garoppolo. If you want to count that right. Mm -hmm. Ebukom Mosley, McGlinchey Aziz gold. Daniel Brunskill is a part-time starter. um, And then Tayshawn Gibson, who started all season this year, Tabor pepper and uh, Jake Brendel. Right. So that's 11 starters. Uh, on a, a a, that's a lot. That's, that's half, right? You you start 22. So they've got some, they've, they've got some moves to make, um, this off season in terms of re-signing some of these guys and also, you know, being able to, to be some, a a bit of a player in, in free agency. Um, and so, you know, I, I, the kind of what I wanted to look at and, and talk through with you is you know, in terms of those those names that that we listed off, which ones are you to you are like we've they've got to re-sign that guy they've they, we've sure. got to keep that guy on the team. Um, well, let's, because, let's let's run through ahead. here. Let's let's look at the list and kind of see if if let's see what we think. See where they're going
0: to go. You know, we'll just kind of break it all down.
1: Um yeah. All right.
0: So you you want to start wanna...
1: on the defensive side or the offensive side?
0: Let's let's run down the defensive side first. Let's do it that way because I think there's. Okay. There's a lot
1: there, so there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys on the defensive line that are uh, that are free agents, and that is Hassan Ridgeway, Maurice Hurst, mm-hmm. Kevin Gibbons, Samson Ebukam, Kerry Hider, Jordan Willis, and Charles Amenahu. Of that list, which one are you like? We got to get that guy back. Which one are you like? At the right price, uh, fine. And then another where you are like, I'm I'm okay with them with them moving on.
0: You know, it's interesting with that group because I know many who played well. You know, Ibukon is, I guess you could say he's somewhat of a big-ish name. I I guess you could say that. Um, A lot of those guys are kind of role players, right? A lot of those guys are affordable to me. Many who may have some legal trouble, we don't know. But he's a guy to me who could get overpaid on the open market after the last year and a half or so that he's had. So I could see that happening. But a lot of these guys to me are affordable. Hurst has been hurt. Ridgeway has been hurt. What, what the Niners have to decide, I think, is I feel like, one, they still want to stay stout on those lines. We know that that's a point of emphasis for them. But do they want to get better at those lines? And do they yeah. maybe go in a different direction in some of those places? They, I'm interested to see we, – we talk about Willis and amenihu and Ibukam and, and Hyder I think they need somebody better on the other side of Nick Bosa, somebody a little, who's going to get a little bit more attention. Because I think you saw at the end of the season, I thought Bosa wore down or he was hurt, one of the two. So do they think Drake Drake – Jake Jackson is going to take that step. Well, we saw banks on the offensive side were like, well, what's going on with this guy? And then he was really good in year two. Maybe they think Jackson can be that guy. But I wonder if they're going to try to go elsewhere. So, so you know, Brian, I don't know that any of those guys, I think, oh my God, we have to have him back. I think some combination of them will be back. But I think they look at all of those guys as pieces as opposed to, you know, we got to pay this guy 10, 15 million. I don't, I don't think any of those guys are that guy. I think they look at them as pieces on the line. In, Maybe half of them, four of them will be back. Maybe that sort of thing, I would
1: say. Well, and what's interesting, what's interesting about that <laughs> that, that group is that by far and away, the most expensive player was Samson Ebukom with a $6 million base salary in mm-hmm. uh, 2022. Uh, the next highest is Hassan Ridgeway at 1.8, and he was a free agent last year. So, uh, like
0: role player salaries.
1: Yeah. Amenahu, Amenahu was making $703,000. Jordan Willis 1.1, Kerry Hyder 1.5, Kevin Givens 895. Again, he's a restricted, so he'll yeah. be back. Uh, Maurice Hurst 1.1 uh, didn't play a down in the season because he got hurt in the preseason. I was bummed about that. I thought he was in yeah play a big yeah, role. Me too. Um, and then, like I said, Hassan Ridgeway at 1.8. So yeah, I think you know I I think that is a that is an area. Now remember, you've got Kalia Davis who they drafted in the sixth round last year who came back to practice at the end of the season. He was kind of a red shirt guy that they mm-hmm. were, you know, that they were going to bring along. So I imagine he'll be, you know, he'll have a role. Um, you know, they've got some guys on the practice squad. So, you know, I, I personally think a is uh, of the group, a would be the one that I would want them to bring back. You know, I think his inside outside versatility is, is probably the most beneficial. Uh, but you're right. He might at, at 25 years old, you know, he might be getting a, a a big contract. And the other thing you got to think about, granted, the, the Texans traded him to the 49ers, but he may want to go back to the Texans. He's from Texas and D'Amico's there. You know, yeah, that could be, you know, that could be a guy that that they that they target. So um, I don't think EBCOM will be back. I think Drake Jackson fills that role. But, you know, the one thing that I think that they need, Drake, Drake Jackson, athletic freak, big guy, right? Bendy not super fast. I think they need a speed rusher opposite Nick boson mm-hmm. I think that's what they're missing. And so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if they either try and target that in the draft or if they try and bring anybody in. Um, if we look at uh, defensive backs, um, again, the big one being Jimmy Ward and Tayshaun Gibson and Tarvaris Moore. The top three free safeties are, are uh, <clears throat> their free agents. Uh, and, and then you've Moldley. got Mosley. Yeah, and so yeah. – I think, they're, I think they're going to try and bring Mosley back. I think they should bring Mosley back because yeah. I don't think he's going to command a high salary. Um, they got, and
0: as, I don't want to say lucky there because it, it hurt them this season, right. obviously, sure, in terms certainly. of signing him back. If he had the yeah. season he was having, he was going to get paid because that is two awesome seasons. Um, I mean, I think he was going to get a yeah. lot. Because you, you can look at word Ward. Like, he's not somebody who you think like. You know he does not He's not Jalen Ramsey. He does name name doesn't come off to like that. But right. he got paid a lot. He's a terrific corner, and I think yeah. Mosley's the same thing. Mosley was playing like a true number one corner for two, well, year and a half before he mm-hmm. got hurt. I think he mm-hmm. was going to get paid. Now I think possibly he might follow D'Amico too, but possibly the Niners can get him back at a discounted rate, sort of a prove it deal to make sure he's he's healthy. Uh, yeah, coming in next season. So and yeah, I think Jimmy Ward's gone. I think so too. Which, he's been, <laughs> you know, he's been a good, he's been a good Niner, a versatile Niner. I think he's gone. And Gibson played really well for him this year. I think they'll make it a point to bring him back.
1: Well, and well, Gibson, what Gibson is doing right now is is essentially trying to determine whether or not he's going to retire. Um, and so, one thing that he did say was that um, he said that Talano Hufanga, uh, he said, what did he say? He said, he, uh, he opened a well of youth in me, or something like that. Basically playing with Hufanga, you know, and his youthful exuberance really kind of rekindled some things with Gibson. And so um, I think if, if he doesn't retire, I think his plan is to come back. And I think they want him back. Obviously they, you know, they kicked Jimmy Ward down to the nickel and told him mm-hmm. either you play nickel or you ride the bench. Cause we're not, right. you know, we're not getting, and then not only that, but um, I saw something and, and I, I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but I will, but um, Tayshawn Gibson uh, what uh, had the lowest missed tackle rate of any starting safety. And then his passer rating allowed, I think was number three overall. So he had a tremendous season at, at, at age 31. So, you know, again, it would be coming back on a one-year deal and then, you know, hopefully trying to find possibly his, his replacement in the draft. They also really like uh Quantrez Knight, who is a safety on the practice squad. They brought him in as an un, uh as an undrafted free agent last year. He really impressed in camp. They put him on the practice squad. He's been on the practice squad all season. I think that's a guy that they're kind of eyeing for for one of those roles as well, which is again another reason why I do think, like you said, Jimmy's gone. Um, I think it's imperative that they bring Robbie Robbie Gold back and and also the yeah. best long snapper in the NFL, Tabor Pepper. Um yeah, I think they you know, they and I think the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The the only the only you know the only thing you got to figure out is if Robbie's gonna be too expensive he was um he was uh 3.6 uh as a as a base or as his base value this season so uh not a cheap not a cheap player um but again can you afford to 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 have somebody else right Robbie gold is still uh a hundred percent in the in the playoffs so please yep. bring that guy back 100%. um the the big question to me uh obviously is mike mclinchey You know, what does the team view him? Do they, do they, do they view him as a necessity in terms of bringing back? Um, you know, they've got quite a few dudes on this team who have guard tackle flexibility. It seems like that's kind of what they focus on in the draft. So you've got Colton McKivitz, you've got, uh, excuse me, you've got Colton McKivitz, you've got, um, Jalen Moore, you've got, um, really Spencer Burford who played right tackle in college, even though he played right guard for the 49ers this past season. Um, and so you've, you've got some names there, but you know, for, for as much shit as Mike McGlinchey gets uh, on Twitter and and from 49er fans, he's still a top 15 right tackle in the NFL, which, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to just let that walk, but you know, what kind of salaries are he going to command? He was on it. Uh, his fifth-year option, he was playing at $4.5 million this year. I would imagine that, you know, he's going to at least get double that uh, on the free agent market, if not, you know, significantly more. So, again, what what do you do there? I think that's the biggest question. Someone Uh, will
0: pay Mike McGlinchey a shit ton of money. I think
1: so, too. I think so, too.
0: I think he wants to come back to the Niners. I think the Niners want him back. I don't know if they could – and you're right, He he takes – a ton of shit from people but yeah when you look I mean who are you gonna replace him is there somebody you want to replace him with right. is there a name out that people like um I thought he played pretty well at the end of the season with you overall he had a, I thought a really strong end of the season and like he was he came in he's been banged up too so a lot of his issues may, may have been through injury he's mm-hmm. a good he's a good player he's not an all pro player but he's he's a good player in my estimation and he will get he will get overpaid in free agency. I'm sure his agent knows it. I'm sure he knows it he will get a ton of money. So it'll be interesting to see how they approach this.
1: Well, and and at locker room cleanout this uh, this season, he was instead of wearing 49ers gear, he was wearing his collective arts agency gear. That's who there reps you, him. So he's already in free agency mode. And that's the other thing is Mike McGlinchey was one of the players that lived in San Francisco in the off season and was at the facility all off season. So again, a, a great a great teammate, a great player. Um, I genuinely do hope they bring him back. I think he was a victim of being a top 10 pick, you know, and people have certain expectations at that, at that level. Like you said, he's not an all pro, but he's definitely uh, better than a lot of what any other team has in the NFL. The only guy that I think they could possibly look at would be Jawan Taylor, who is uh, a free agent. He was the right tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. I think he and McGlinchey are going to be the two top paid tackles in this uh, free agency class. So I mean, do you go with a player who I think is a little bit younger uh, and and a little bit more stout in pass protection, but I don't think he's quite the run blocker that McGlinchey is, or do you go with the guy that you know and you are comfortable with? And I think they, I, Kyle Shanahan, strikes me as a guy that would rather do that. Um, but again, you know, does it fit? Because they're going to have to restructure some deals, right? Uh, Eric I'll Armstead to, yeah. is not Eric Armstead is not going to make what he is currently slated to make this offseason. Neither is, uh, I would imagine neither is George Kittle and probably not Trent Williams, right? They're going to do, they're going to get parod as I like to call it. Um, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to get more room that we don't need to worry about that. They'll, they'll figure that part out. Um, the question is, you know, are they, are they willing to pay what it might take to retain McGlinchey? And it feels like Shanahan is willing to pay that kind of money at the tackles and at center, and, and and try and get by with whatever he can get by with at guard. So, you know, I, I do think they could, but I don't know that they will. The only other Center, uh, big – Center is interesting to me. They're...
0: Huh? Jake, Center is interesting to me. Are they going to try to bring – do they want right. to bring Brendel back? Were they happy with him this year? And Brunskill is a piece where, you know, Brunskill could slide in. Brunskill's super versatile. Do mm-hmm. they view him as somebody they just want back on the team? But Center is big because Kyle had shown, you he went for Weston Richburg. He, he signed Alex yeah. Mack. Yep. do they have something else they want to try to do or are they okay bringing Brendel back? That's, that's, that's one of the names that really, really sticks out to me. It wouldn't, unless you're a Niners fan, you know, the casual yeah. fan probably thinking about Jake Brendel this off season, <laughs> but I am. What, what, what are the Niners <laughs> going to do? There's a huge question. about Yeah. And
1: then the other thing is, you know, they had two guys that, that, you know, I guess reporters and maybe, maybe brass kind of hinted at it, but Jason Poe and Nick Zakel, who were, Nick Zakel was a a draft pick, a six round draft pick out of Fordham. And then Mm, Jason Poe was an undrafted free agent out of Mercer. I love Jason Poe. I think, I think Jason Poe could be a future fullback. Like there's anyway, regardless, they talked about them possibly being, uh, especially Zakel, uh, a center of the future. Zakel's a little bigger, you know, uh, Jason Poe is six one. Um, you know, he's just a small or six two. Uh, but Zakel is, you know, a big beefy dude. I think he's like six, five. Um, and, went to Fordham, which is a, you know, a, an academic school, if you will. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, after reading up on him after the draft, you know, his, uh, his, uh, college coach, he played left tackle at Fordham, but even at left tackle, he was the one calling protections for the line because he was the smartest guy on the line. So I think they liked that about him. Um, and so I don't know how much run he got, uh, at that position, uh in scout team or anything like that but it seems like they're grooming him to be the center of the future but you know so maybe you bring Brendel back on a one or two year deal mm-hmm. so you can continue to groom Zakel um I, I think they were happy with Brendel um i think he was fine um i don't think he was anything other than that but sometimes that's all you need so um the only other ones i think that are big um Aziz Al-Shair i think he is going to Houston to the Houston with Ryan. yeah i don't i don't think there's any question there um, you know, and D'Amico will use him to help install that defense down there. Um, and then I think we, I think we got it. Uh, I, I had don't think two Tyler there are two, Croft, na- two oh, names that
0: are interesting to me and you're about to say it, Tyler Croft, Croft and Ross Dwelly, because that's yeah. the tight end position.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Got Charlie Warner, right? still under contract. And then Kittle obviously. Yeah. Are they going to try to upgrade next to Kittle a little bit? God, I want them to, to so bad. <laughs> you know, maybe be a little bit, to bring a little bit more in the passing game. I, yes. I'm curious to see what they're going to do there. I think, not that those two names stick out to me. I think Tyler Croft will always stick out to 49er fans now. Yes. But, um, it's for more sure. of that position. Do they, do they yeah. try to upgrade that? Whether they draft somebody or whatever. That position is, is really interesting to me.
1: I've been desperate for them to upgrade their tight end two position for, a lot of I think been, this yeah. is three seasons now. Um and they they just disappoint me every year so I'm just gonna prepare for disappointment but hey if they uh if they shock me I will be uh I will be open to that and and pleasantly surprised
0: <laughs> all right Brian we gotta get out of here until yes, next sir. time for Brian I'm Al saying be nice to all people because we have to wear hats because our house are cold
1: that's right later, later three. One, two, three. Ah!